Hello everyone, we are H++ History++. If any of you guys are out there that are computer science wizards or computer science majors, you guys probably could understand what exactly History++ represents. History++ is a podcast that is to focus specifically on uh, innovations that have brought us to where we are today. I'm here with many of my esteemed guests. Um, my name is Nick, by the way, Nick Adamu. Uh, to my right here is Matthias. Hello. Uh, over here is Asher. Say hello. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. And then Luke here is also uh, one of my esteemed guests. Looking uh, forward to a great conversation, guys. Oh, yeah. And in today's uh, episode, we're going to be focusing on Thomas Newcomen and why he's the person that uh, not many people actually look to. Uh, for the creation of the steam engine, but going back in time before he actually created his steam engine uh, Let's take a deep dive into what he was like before he actually got to his creation He was born in Dartmouth Devon England in the year 1664 uh, He was born into a merchant family merchant family uh, his father Elias Newcomen uh, was a ship owner and merchant his mother Sarah sadly passed away when he was only an infant. His father eventually got married to another beautiful woman, uh, Alice Trenhal, uh, who raised Thomas as a child when he was young. As a young man, though, he primarily served as an engineering apprentice, and in 1685, he began working as ironmongering. Does anyone here actually know what ironmongering is? Because before I actually did any research or learned about Thomas Newcomen, I had no idea what exactly that term meant. I mean, I imagine something to do with iron, maybe he's like a smith? Uh, uh that's pretty close. Monger's pretty close to merchant. Yeah, I that's that's right. getting to so, it, yes, yes. What do you think, Luke? So is he some kind of, like, retail salesman? I don't know, I mean, that sounds like merchant. Yeah, like, yeah, it's more, specifically, you're all very close to it, um, it actually means. So, essentially, he's a merchant of uh, or seller of uh, iron goods, right? And um, <laughs> so you're talking about just like raw iron or more like tools? He creates tools. Okay. He manufactures them. Um, it all ties back into uh, the work in the tin mines, which... Yes, so they must work with smiths to do this. I imagine they like, just... He lives in a mining town based on what I can tell. Yeah, then... He must just be some kind of a, a middleman, almost. Like, he, he gets tools. The, the smith gets stuff from the iron mine. The smith turns it into tool heads and well, attacks it to a handle, and ironmonger sells it. I imagine yeah. he's a middleman directly from the iron mines as well. Like, I, I imagine he buys from the iron mine, sells it to the smiths, buys from the smiths. That would line up with the way that uh, that kind of building and producing like that way he's worked at the time. His, uh, the house-by-house house kind of his production. Is, like, the reason he gets paid is because he's that logistics. Yeah, mm. of course, he moves the materials very true. to the places that do that work. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. But it was because of his um, business in the ironmongering um, business that he was able to meet so many great people and forge very a lot of great connections with many other tin mine owners of Cornwall, right? Um, they all of which have faced the difficulty of pumping water or removing water from the depths of the mines. And 
And so this is where the steam engine was actually born. The idea of the steam engine was actually created, right? Because they needed a way to pump the water out of the mines itself so that they can get into the mines and get access to the iron. All right, so uh, as an engineering major here, uh, I know that engines really, what, they're, what they do is they create work or like they can move things around for you, that type of thing, but you're describing a pump more than anything else. And this isn't necessarily a problem, but like a steam engine isn't necessarily gonna pump, so how, how did he figure that one out? <laughs> Presumably he took this engine and attached it to a pump. It's not like it's that. I don't know. Like the the description is the engine is a certain you know does. Yeah, I mean if you look at the picture that we're it's like a pump. Into the link up for this, you can see that it resembles a pump in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually it is a pump, but it's an engine because it can it works on steam. That's why. Yeah, so to answer your question, it's it's actually because of the definition of engine, we think that it takes in gasoline or some sort of other uh, um, resource to actually make the whole engine work. Well, in the, in the fact of the steam engine, right, uh, it uses steam to pump, to make the pump itself work, right? Uh, and it's actually a quite powerful pump, to say the least. Um, according to what I have written here, it does 12 strokes per minute. And what exactly does that mean, you probably might be asking. Well, it's able to lift a massive 10 gallons through a mind-blowing 46 meters uh, upwards, uh, perpendicularly. Well, That's actually a decent bit. I mean, for an early engine, that's pretty impressive. And, like, the total output of power for this machine itself is uh, 4 kilowatts. For, and at the time, that was quite... Kilo who? Kilowatts. Oh, watts. Gotcha. <laughs> and watt is where Luke is actually um, getting that from. James Watt, as everyone knows here, uh, James Watt is actually the person that uh, is accredited for the uh, steam engine itself. But as we're saying here, Thomas Newcomen was the person that... Uh, is actually the one who should be accredited with the creation of the uh, the steam engine itself. However, the, the steam engine wasn't um, the best that it could be. It was wrought with some uh, inefficiencies and minor um, issues that uh, allowed James Watt to come into the into the scene here and create uh, the the Watt engine that everyone knows of today. I want to just call it inefficiencies. Mm. Newcomen's engine was really just a pump by another name. It wasn't until Watt modified it that it could actually be used for other applications. That's very true, Asher. But the famous question that everyone here in the studio has been asking is, what is James Watt and what did he do? If you could understand what I was saying there, it was a play on words with his name as being the, f- the word for what. <laughs> James Watt is actually the person that everyone looks to for the creation of the steam engine. He is what drove the Industrial Revolution. It wasn't just him, too, though. It was it was him and his partnership with a guy uh, named Bolton, Matthew Bolton. 
they both manufactured the steam engine itself, and it was their company, the, Matt, the Bolton and Matt uh, Watt company, that produced the steam engine that was used everywhere, uh, took Newcomen's engine and improved upon it because there was inefficiencies in the, the design uh, of the Newcomen engine, right? It was um, inefficient. It required a lot of energy to actually work. Uh, and what Watt discovered was the fact that he can make the engine itself much more efficient and cheaper to run in the long run. Uh, Not only that, but he made it actually a steam engine. He made it generate power as opposed to pumping water out of a mine. Yes, and the awesome thing about the Watt engine is it allowed us to use it. Um, it allowed manufacturing uh, corporations, uh, factories, and the like to actually move away from the water and actually move more inland because the engine itself was portable. So in that fact, it actually changed society as a whole because everyone uh, started moving more inland instead of requiring the use of water to power the technology. So, Nick, from what you're describing, it really sounds like the, the Newcomen engine was kind of useless. I mean, it, it did a job somewhat well, but it, it really wasn't applicable anywhere else. And, and uh, James Watt really turned a pump into a generator, and that's what really changed stuff. So why are you arguing Newcomen should get all the credit? I mean, I'm actually... Watt's the one that changed stuff. But if you're looking specifically at the person who had the original idea of uh, the steam engine itself, it wasn't just Newcomen. It was uh, his friend, Thomas Savory. Thomas Savory was also the person who created the very first crude, very crude, very inefficient version of the steam engine. And then came along, uh, as I said before, Didn't Thomas Newcomen. Do a vacuum pump, not a steam engine? It was a vacuum pump, yes, but a lot of the idea behind the steam engine came from the idea that uh, Thomas Savory had for his pump, which he patented before uh, Thomas Newcomen did with his engine. Uh, but Thomas Newcomen is the person who's actually been, uh, took the idea of uh, Thomas Savory's um, actual pump uh, and turned it into an engine that used steam to power it. And then Watt comes along and makes large improvements on the efficiency and the uh, cheapness to actually use the, the engine itself uh, and also brought along um, the, the idea that you could use um, this technology to power uh, locomotion, right? Because that is what brought along like the the whole it improved trains if you will so I, i'm hearing like a steve jobs versus wozniak problem of wozniak and his team basically did the apple computer thing and then steve jobs came and sold it to everyone and so he's getting most of the credit for that now see i feel like history's already decided who gets credit in that situation which is jobs but everyone ends up knowing wozniak's name i don't know what do you think, Asher? It sounds a lot like a similar situation. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually have to disagree with you guys here. I don't think this is a Jobs and Wozniak situation at all. I think, or in the case of Jobs and Wozniak, Wozniak created something awesome, and Jobs stole it and sold it. 
<laughs> in the case of Newcomen and Watt, well, Newcomen made a pump, and then Watt took it and turned it into something that we can actually use. That's a very good point, Asher. And much to the like, the same respect, too, you can also look at the likes of uh, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, and the fact that Bill Gates actually, um, in, in, uh, if you look at what happened between Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, uh, Bill Gates most likely stole the idea of the operating system itself because it was really Steve Jobs who created uh, Mac OS first and then Bill Gates comes along into the scene and creates uh, MS-DOS and in that respect um, in a lot of ways there was a lot of um, legal play going on and at the end of the day it was Steve Jobs who ended up winning I believe Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Steve Jobs who ends up winning the war over the operating systems. And relating it back to this, um, yes, I agree with Asher. Um, James Watt is actually the one who brought the technology, much like Steve Jobs has, uh, and made it actually applicable to the broader scene of society and allowed it to be used in many other uh, senses, much like locomotion with trains. I'm really glad we're using this analogy. I mean, I think it, I think it does a really good job of kind of re relating an older problem to a much more recent problem that everyone seems to be familiar with. I mean, this kind of battle between IBM or Windows and Microsoft is something that's still going on today. And the steam engines kind of died out, but I think this, this common problem really reinforces the idea of the technology revolution being similar to the idea uh, industrial revolution of 200 years ago. Well, I mean, the steam engine itself has died off, but the things that have spawned because of the steam engine, just, just in general, the internal combustion engine, which one can even argue led to the creation of rocket engines, uh, you still see those today. We're, how are we getting to the moon? They've been doing that. We're still all driving cars. We're, we still have planes. We're still using trains occasionally. Absolutely. Paris was designed long ago in the redesign by Hausmann, but then everybody still lives there. It's still very much a living city. A similar city is Washington, D.C., a city that people don't really know the person who designed it, but his influence is fantastic. His ideas of these grand avenues setting a tone for a federal government are remarkable. The man's name was actually Pierre Pierre Charles Lafont, but he spent so much time in America, he preferred the name Peter. Um, and he had some amazing design insights in terms of how the city would be laid out with clear references back to his home country of Paris through these grand avenues that crisscrossed an otherwise very systematic street system. Um, I just, I find urban planning fascinating because it's, it's history that lives with us and has to move forward. And as it lives on, we have to consider questions of what do we owe to the original inventor. And I think the same thing goes back to inventions. Even if we improve the invention, do we always give credit to that original inventor? I mean, we have to live with this technology, and same goes for cities. We only owe to the inventor that we continue using it, improving their invention, making it continually useful, I would argue. 
that's ultimately the intention of any inventor, not to stay the world how, how it is and keep everything the same, but to advance world, the world and the human race through technology and our abilities to do things. Now, the question I have for you, Luke, is the fact that that's all fabulous points and everything, but how exactly does um, the idea, because of the, the urban planning is really cool and stuff, but it, this is coming from uh, France, right? And uh, what does France have that specifically relates to innovation in terms of technology? What is a place that everyone looks to today that and uses still today as a, a place, a location that people go to to discuss technology, discuss research, discuss uh, the work of the day? Well, I would say that uh, for a long time, especially during the Industrial Revolution and the Enlightenment, that place was London. Uh, it was a place that, was, that allowed a lot of free thought and free discussion, and specifically in London, the place to go was your local coffee house. Each coffee house had different kind of themes for discussion. Some were insurance, some were sailing and merchant kind of business, some were philosophy. I mean, Voltaire sat and just drank espresso all day writing philosophy when he was exiled from France. And today, where would we think of as the home of coffee? I would initially go to the West, Washington, Oregon, California, where we're seeing the information revolution come about and maintain. I just, I think it's amazing that this thing continues to be associated with it, and it kind of makes you wonder, is coffee, is it the environment that we've associated with coffee, or is it actually the drug of caffeine that comes with coffee? And who doesn't love their Starbucks coffee? I mean, I think the fact that you associate coffee with the West, like Oregon, California, like you said, uh, shows another problem with this uh, forgetting of all these incredible female inventors. Coffee, as we know it, was really created by a woman named Melinda Fence in Germany when she changed coffee from basically tea bags with coffee in them to the coffee we know. That's a very good point, Asher. Yeah, I mean, I really find that men kind of had it easy in a sense. Like, when we're talking about newcomer and what, it's not really someone stealing the credit, it's improvements of who deserves the credit. With women, it's just you're a woman how could you have possibly have done anything useful yeah and like part of it is even in class a couple of days ago and that type of thing we read how one guy wasn't even married to a woman he was living with and had children with but he she did like 12 plus hours of work a day every day and like he'd finish up early and then go drink and possibly meet up with other women we we don't really know And woman, you know, it wasn't until very late in history that we we start to see them receiving um, pretty, you know, close to equal rights on equal pay. Although we still kind of struggle with equal pay, Um, for the most part, though, it's uh, much better than it ever was. But for many, many years and decades, women haven't had the same rights as men did and same opportunities. They were very much seen as housewives, staying at home, only focusing on the children and being married to their husband and making sure that they're the best presented for their husband at all times. So when a female or woman comes into play in terms of uh, actually developing something that is uh, revolutionary or uh, uh, 
actually provide some sort of innovation. It's quite a huge feat. I mean, yes, we made some advances. I mean, looking at uh, there's one female inventor named uh, Herta Artyan. Uh, in 1902, she was uh, applying to be a fellow at the Royal Society. Ah, very cool. Because she was a married woman. Mm. And, uh, I'm sure we've, we've definitely come past that point. But uh, I think as Herta put it best, she said, errors are notoriously hard to kill, but an error that as ascribes to a man what was actually the work of a woman has more lives than a cat. Oh, that's a very and, interesting quote, Asher. You know, it's still going on today. People are, particularly men, are taking credit for the work of women and just getting away with it. That's true. I, I really do believe it's getting a little bit better, though. However, slowly, I, I believe history does bend, that arc of history bends towards order and not chaos. I mean, movies such as Hidden Figures start to put the appropriate spotlight on those, like the movie says, hidden figures. It's not going to be easy, it's not going to be immediate or anytime soon necessarily, but I think we're moving towards it and we're always improving, hopefully moving towards the morally right area and time. Completely agree with you, Luke. Well, I mean, we are starting to utilize what's half of the population toward innovation, and I think you know, it's incredible because we're, we're going to double our speed potentially, and we have double our speed potentially. And as we continue to innovate and become better at innovation and hopefully move, as Luke and Nick have said, to toward a more equal society where we don't uh, penalize women, we can further increase our efficiency. All right, so we're getting towards the end of our podcast here, and we would like to uh, conclude by taking a look back at what we've actually discussed in the entirety of this podcast, because we discussed a lot. Um, specifically, though, we started with looking at um, what the power of steam meant in terms of the Industrial Revolution and beyond, right? Who actually deserves credit for the creation of the steam engine? Is it James Watt? Is it Thomas Newcomen? Or is it even, as we've discovered earlier, uh, Thomas Savory himself? Uh, much to our uh, debate here, we found and have concluded, at least in our own uh, opinions here, that James Watt is actually the person who should definitely be accredited to the creation of the steam engine because of the lasting impacts that it's had in society as a whole. I would argue our real conclusion was it doesn't matter. All that matters is that humanity sees a brighter future. I mean, I would kind of agree with that too, but on the other hand, we never really had a dissenting voice on this one, so if you guys want to write in like comments or something, feel free to let us know. Please disagree with us. Disagreement breeds progress. And personally, my conclusion is that, yes, Watt does like, deserve the credit that he gets, but it's important for us not to forget Newcomen because without Newcomen, Watt never would have had something to improve on, and we don't know that he would have created what he did without Newcomen's it's like the you can't invent you can't uh i guess you can't make an operating system for a computer without having someone make a computer for you first you you have to have a language before you can make your operating system you know it's just all of these steps we wouldn't have uh cars without having had watt steam engine we wouldn't have had ste the steam engine if we didn't have the 
uh, New Cummins engine. We wouldn't have had New Cummins engine if there wasn't Severy's engine. We wouldn't have had that even if it weren't for water being in a tin mine. Like we can trace in like somewhat indirectly, we can trace all the way like from modern cars to there being water in a mine that we needed to get out. Pretty incredible. I mean, we say necessity. 